We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by Usaid Koshal, my co-host here. Usaid, it's St. Patty's Day today. It's also the officially uh, the first league year or first day of the league year for the 2021 NFL season. Free agency is in full swing right now, and the Bears have a new quarterback. Yep, new quarterback they do. But and again, it was. I mean, for some of us that have read about what's going on at Hallisall, like all of us here at the Bear Report, we certainly didn't expect this move, but we also never ruled it out. So the Bears went ahead and signed Andy Dalton to a one-year $10 million deal. He can up, earn up to $13 million in incentives. I mean, let's just get started right here. It just makes zero sense to me. So I'll say this about the whole uh, Dalton situation. Here's, here's how I view it. Obviously, it's very underwhelming and disappointing compared to the fact that all we've been talking about for the weeks leading up to this is, you know, are the Bears going to make a move for Russell Wilson? And they did make a move for Russell Wilson. They, uh, quote-unquote, were aggressive, according to multiple media outlets, in trying to acquire Russell Wilson. We saw in the media uh, today, it's been reported that uh, the Bears offered three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two starters. Uh, We don't know who the starters were for Russell Wilson, so – I guess you could call that an aggressive offer. Um, I'll get to more on that later, but strictly sticking with Andy Dalton here, um, here's how I view it. So Andy Dalton, I don't think he's the worst option out there for where the Bears are at right now. He certainly isn't a great option. He isn't somebody that's going to really excite the fan base, that's for sure. I mean, we've seen Bears Twitter over the last day or so just completely melt down over the entire situation. Like All optimism is absolutely gone at this point for this team going into next year and uh, probably rightly so. But uh, when you look at the bears here, now you have a situation where Andy Allen 
is under contract with Nick Foles here. And I, I have a hard time seeing the Bears sticking with Nick Foles. It's been reported by Brad Biggs that uh, the Bears are going to look to trade Nick Foles at some point here, hopefully before March 20th, before his – I believe he, have a, he has a $4 million roster bonus that becomes fully guaranteed on that day. So I think they're going to try to trade him before that day, but we'll see what happens there. I think a couple teams that could be interested are Denver and Philadelphia looking for a backup quarterback there. Um, so they could get a deal down there. But, yeah, it makes no sense from the standpoint of you don't want Andy Dalton and, and Nick Foles. You're spending roughly $16 million in cap space on two mediocre quarterbacks there. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me there. But from a roster standpoint, it makes sense from this, from this standpoint. So if you're the Bears, you went all in to try and get Russell Wilson. And the Seahawks, they made it known that they're not looking to trade him at this time. So at this time is the key word here. So that doesn't rule out trading for Russell Wilson down the line or making another move for a quarterback down the line. But what does Andy Dalton give to the Bears? So that Andy Dalton, what I think he gives to the Bears, he's more of a fallback option. And they saw the way the market was going for these quarterbacks. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick signed with the Washington football team. You had Tyron Taylor to the, to the Houston Texans. Uh, Jacoby Brissett to Miami. A lot of the backup quarterbacks, borderline starter quarterbacks, were going off the market at this point in time. So, Andy Dalton, he has a connection to this coaching staff, which I guess it makes sense there. And I still think the Bears are going to try and make a big move here. I don't think, you know, with quarterback being their top priority in their uh, postseason press conference uh, this last, you know, from this last season, that, uh, you know, they're just going to settle with Andy Dalton here to be their answer at quarterback going to a year where they, they have to get the quarterback right. Um, I just don't see that being the case. I think he's a veteran placeholder. I think he's somebody that they're going to try and get either a rookie or they're going to try and swing big for another quarterback. And he's going to be the backup in the situation here, but I don't think the bears are done here addressing quarterback, but I will say this, we have to give this time because if Andy Dalton is the starter week one for the bears, uh, my optimism for the 2021 season is pretty low to say the least. I agree there. I think that we're not done seeing a quarterback move, whether it's a trade up in the draft or it is acquiring a guy like Gardner Minshew. And it's interesting because Adam Kaplan, who's a series XM NFL insider at the national level. I mean, he put out a tweet today, specifically linking Minshew to the bears talking about, Hey, it could be done here within the next couple of days. And that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But I just think overall, when we look at the state of the bears right now, in terms of, Let's be honest. I mean, Andy Dalton was a very underwhelming and I'm not even sure disappointing is the right word to describe the signing. Because again, we went into this free agency class or this year kind of knowing that, yeah, they were going to have to figure out quarterback. We also kind of established that for the bears, there's no point in dipping into the, there was no point in dipping into the free agent market unless a guy like Dak Prescott was going to be there. Cause everyone that was available from Jameis Winston to Andy Dalton to even Mitch Trubisky at this point was just going to be a bridge option. And so now you begin to wonder, maybe the Bears decide, okay, you know what? It's not worth striking and giving up the three reported first-round picks that the Bears had offered to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. Maybe the best thing to do is just to trade a guy like – tag and trade a guy like Allen Robinson to a team like the Jets, for example, get another first-round pick back in the process, and then use those two first-rounders that you would acquire to – plus your own 
to trade up in the draft for a guy like a Justin Fields or a guy like a Zach Wilson, even a guy like Trey Lance. And I just think as we do get closer to the draft, which is about six to seven weeks away here, I would say that the best realistic options for the Bears to trade up in round one at this point are looking more like Justin Fields and Zach or Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I'm sorry. And another thing is this, if you haven't heard Josh Lucas, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were actually at Trey Lance's pro day and caught on camera. And so that just tells me that the bears are very interested in Trey Lance. And I think that at this point, Lance is probably the most realistic option of the top four quarterbacks for the bears. Yeah, I I think definitely, I wouldn't rule out Russell Wilson still. I think that could be a possibility because again, it takes two to tango in the situation right now. It just seems like where everything is at Seattle is just not willing to trade Russell Wilson right now so i'm not going to rule that out once again but the more it is looking more and more likely that the bears are going to have to trade up in this upcoming uh, 2021 nfl draft if they want to get a quarterback of the future here and quite honestly they're probably going to have to get into the top six here because you know with all, these top four guys you know all four of them are, are potential players that could be you know the number one quarterback in any other given draft class so it's a very talented quarterback group at the top, and there are going to be a lot of suitors there uh, trying to train for these quarterbacks. So if you're the Bears, you have to be aggressive if you're going to go after one of these guys. So from that standpoint, it makes sense to go get a veteran, I guess, like Andy Dalton, to kind of hold things over for a year or so in case you either can't get that guy or you trade up for that quarterback and he's just not ready to go that first rookie year. Because we saw with, um, you know, when they trade up for Mitch Trubisky back in 2017 that – he clearly got to the game earlier than he they intended for him because Mike Lennon was just so bad. And, I, you know, I can understand from watching Nick Foles last year, they don't want to rely upon Nick Foles uh, being their starter going into the year potentially. And, look, I understand that because, you know, for as much crap we're going to give Andy Dalton here, I think a lot of Bears fans are going to, are going to give to Andy Dalton, I should say. Uh, you know, he's, he's not a terrible quarterback by any means. And I don't, I don't think the outrage – about this signing necessarily has to do with Andy Dalton being completely abysmal as a quarterback because he he certainly isn't good, but I mean he really isn't all that much different from what you got out of Trubisky last year. If anything, uh, Dalton might be a slight upgrade of, over what the Bears have gotten from Trubisky over the last couple of years. Now, if he is an upgrade, it's not significant, but I mean you know he has that relationship with Bill Lazor. He's a veteran guy. You know that you know his, the playbook's not going to be completely limited from a conceptual standpoint with him in the lineup there. And if you're training up for a rookie quarterback, that gives you some leeway to sit him for a year, make sure he's ready to go in 2022. And it gives the coaching staff here and GM with Brian Pace, uh, you know, a little bit more leeway when going to McCaskey at the end of the year and saying, if they do struggle this upcoming season that, Hey, we went all in to get this quarterback, give us at least one more year to show what we can do with this young quarterback as a starter. So it would make a lot of sense if you're if you're thinking about this from a job security standpoint for the bears to go that route now i still think they're going to try and make a big swing again for russell wilson assuming that he does become available in the upcoming months but right now he's just not available so again sticking with andy dalton signing with the bears here look at the other options that the bears could have gone here because again like i said andy dalton is far from the worst option and i want to you know drive some of these bears fans away from the ledge here when it comes to just going overblown overblown here with the negativity in here. This is not an exciting move. I don't like this move overall. Let me be clear. But again, this isn't a situation like last year where the Bears are giving up a fourth round pick and guaranteeing Nick Foles a, a crap ton of money 
over multiple years is, is nowhere near that bad. Look at the other options that they could have gone with. They either could have stuck with Nick Foles and, you know, pray that, you know, a quarterback becomes available to them in the draft. But if he doesn't, you're stuck with Nick Foles starting for a year, in which case, you know, 2021 is over at that point. Um, you're looking at potentially trading for a Sam Darnold. Does that inspire any confidence? And then you're going to have to give up. You're going to you're gonna have to give up significant draft capital, probably a day two pick to make that happen. You know, you could trade for Marcus Mariota, but again, same thing. And Marcus Mariota actually costs more against the salary cap than Andy Dalton this year because of the way that his contract is structured. So do you want to do that and potentially take that risk? I, I'm not sure. So again, this is not, in my opinion, not the worst move the Bears could have made. It's an underwhelming move. It's not exciting. It doesn't get the Bears anywhere closer to finding that franchise quarterback um, that we've all been desperate for for them to find. But it doesn't prevent them from making that move, which I think is the most important thing here. I think the Bears are going to make a big move here for a quarterback, whether it's in the draft or whether it's going for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. But we're going to have to be patient and let this thing play out because – you know, right now there are a lot of decisions to make with this team right now. Are they going to keep Kyle Fuller? Are they going to trade Anthony Miller? What are they going to do with Akeem Hicks? How are they going to fit all this under the salary cap? There's a lot of decisions to be made at Hallis Hall in the next month or so here before the draft. Let's wait and see how this plays out. Let's wait for this thing to get past the draft and then let's fully judge this thing when we get to that point. At least that's from my perspective. Well, right. And it's going to be interesting because I believe Adam Schefter mentioned this. He's like, hey, listen, they're not looking to that anything regarding Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson was going to happen much closer to the draft. And we know this is the NFL. We know that things can change in an instance. And again, you know, we've seen the reports that Pete Carroll likes Sam Darnold. And we've seen that maybe the star, the stars at this point just did not align for the Bears to go ahead and trade for Russell Wilson. But again, you know, it's kind of like Schefter said, it's kind of like, you know, Pete Carroll's interest in Sam Darnold. I mean, things are definitely going to change between now and April 29th, which is the first night of the NFL draft. And again, that isn't me saying that the bears are, everything's going to align for Chicago to go ahead and for sure trade for Russell Wilson. But I think that when you, you still have to monitor this situation because the biggest domino here is the fact that Russell Wilson hasn't yet requested a trade. And then you look at some of the other guys. I mean, you're right. You know, Sam Darnold, I mean, the price that was being floated around for him was like a day two pick. Now, would the Bears want to give up a day two pick for a former, a second or third rounder, essentially for a quarterback that kind of has underperformed and I get the Jets have had their own unique set of circumstances but again they also reported well we're not making a decision on Sam Darnold until we see Zach Wilson and Justin Fields throw at the BYU and Ohio State Pro Day so there's even a chance that Sam Darnold could be sticking around but I don't see that happening and so really what it's going to come down to for the Bears is this right is they can't be overly aggressive when it comes to figuring out the next move that they're going to make at quarterback they can be aggressive. They need to be aggressive, but not overly aggressive, but they need to be smart about it too. And they have to make sure that everything kind of lines up in their favor before they go ahead and pull a trigger on the, before they go ahead and they pull a trigger on some sort of trade to land someone. And I really think that at this point, right, I would still rank Chicago's options. If I had to choose between Wilson and Watson, I mean, I would say the bears still have a higher chance of landing Russell Wilson than they do Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I still think Russell Wilson is going to be their top prize this offseason. Again, we have a long way to go before 
um, anything is clear on what that situation there is there. I'll say this last thing before we move on here and get to the rest of this episode. Last thing for me here is just like what was reports be given up or what the, the Bears proposed for the Seahawks. So the three first round picks, a third round pick this year and two starters. I mean, you can call that being aggressive. That is not nearly enough. If you want to convince the Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson, you're going to need to give up a lot more. I feel like if you're going to blow the blow away the Seahawks with an offer here, you know, especially since you mentioned it, Russell Wilson hasn't requested requested a trade uh, officially there. And we know that Pete Carroll doesn't want to rebuild. Um, he's getting into his seventies. So he doesn't want, he doesn't want to rebuild unless he has to. So yeah, I, I just, that just threw me for a loop. That, that kind of, that kind of irked me a little bit because I mean, again, Andy Dalton, the two things that irked me with this entire situation that Andy Dalton, he should have been the, the move last offseason. They should have just waited for him to get cut by the Bengals and signed him then um, because there were a bunch of quarterback options, as we know, last offseason. And then with this thing right here, it's just like, you know, the rumored asking price for Russell Wilson, in my opinion, just not nearly enough in order to convince the Seahawks. But hey, I mean, it is what it is. Maybe that price comes down a little bit as the months go on and Russell Wilson, maybe he gets a little bit more agitated because the Seahawks, they have not had a great off season as well. So it's very possible that Russell Wilson, he may request a trade here in the upcoming months. I'm not going to keep my hopes too high for that. My hope is that, you know, they play these things out. We see what happens at the draft. And hopefully if a veteran quarterback like a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson doesn't manifest here, we see a big move for the bears to trade up in the draft. But again, we'll see what happens here. A lot will unfold here in the next weeks or so um in free agency we still have a lot to get here um for the bears there are a lot of moves that are gonna be coming in the next few days um so hopefully we can cover that at a later time and give you guys our thoughts there uh when we get there but in terms of the now what we're doing for today's episode we're gonna be transitioning then to the topic for today and that's continuing our preview series for the 2021 NFL draft doing our positional breakdown. So today we're going to be focusing on the tight end position, giving you our top five tight ends, our sleepers, our overhyped guys, and what we think the Bears should be doing to address the position when we get to the NFL draft in about a month or so. The NFL draft is coming up pretty quickly, you say, which keeps us things very exciting. So uh, before we're going to get to that, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And then when we get back, we're going to be going full on to our tight end preview for the 2021 NFL draft. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, moving on to our first second here, and that's breaking out our top five tight ends in the 2021 NFL Draft. And you said, I'll start off with you. What is your top five looking at for this top tight end class this year? So my top three are pretty much, it seems like everyone's consensus top three. And the one guy at the top is probably the best tight end prospect that's come out in recent years, but it's Florida's Kyle Pitts. The number two, I've got Penn State's Pratt Fearmouth. And number three, I've got Brevin Jordan from Miami. And then number four, I have um, Notre Dame's Tommy Tremble. And then number five, I have 
Boston College's Hunter Long. And overall, when I look at this tight end class this year, it is one of the deeper classes. And I do think that in the years past, right, like the last time I believe we had two tight ends selected in the first round was in 2019 when we had Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. And Hawkinson was a top 10 pick that year. But I just think overall, when we look at the state of the tight end position in the NFL and just historically, a lot of the best tight ends that we've seen Take, for example, Rob Gronkowski, um, Jimmy Graham, who at one point was one of the best, right, in the early 2010s. And then um, Hunter, even a guy like Hunter Henry, who's gone on to have a very successful career. Another guy, uh, you could argue Aaron Hernandez. You know, I know I mentioned George Kittle, but a lot of the best tight ends that have come and gone in the NFL have traditionally been day two or three picks. And so it really makes me wonder, is how are teams going to go ahead and, you know, draft – everyone else or every other tight end, but um, Kyle Pitts, because Pitts for sure in my eyes is a first round talent, but where does he get drafted? Cause I don't think he's going to be top 10. Like some think he is. Yeah. It's interesting where Pitts goes because it kind of depends on how you evaluate his position going into the NFL, because while he is listed as a tight end and yeah, he's my number one tight end spoiler. Uh, my top five is the exact same as your top five. So we'll just get that out of the way. But uh, Kyle Pitts, he's really interesting because really when you look at him, he's basically like a wide receiver in the body of a modern tight end. So um, he's one of those guys where even cornerbacks have a hard time dealing with him in terms of like his suddenness, his route running ability. He's, he runs very crisp routes despite his size. He's just one of those freak athletes where he just makes it work. Um, in my opinion, he's you know one of those blue chip prospects in this class. He's one of the four or five blue chip guys I think uh, that will be, you know, great for me, at least in this class. I, I, I'm not quite done with my evaluations yet, but I know for a fact that he's going to be a blue chip prospect for me. Um, and there's just a lot to like with him. Like you said, he gives you that big body in the red zone to where he's going to be a threat there. He gives you a lot of versatility to where you can line him up and use him in the passing game all around. I mean, he's a true mismatch weapon. And I think he should be able to uh, contribute immediately uh, once he steps onto the field in the NFL and be a big time contributor um, you know, at, at the very least, is he's going to be a future Pro Bowler. I, I'm pretty confident saying at the next level, even if, you know, even an all-pro talent, um, if he goes to the right situation there. So Kyle Pitts, I think he's a beast. I could see him go top 10, actually. You know, it's, it's again, it's really weird um, because a lot of teams won't, uh, uh, won't value the tight end position as much as maybe, say, what a wide receiver can bring to the team. But if you're already looking at Kyle Pitts as basically, basically an extension of your wide receiver room, I think it makes a lot of sense for a team to pick him high in the draft because you just don't see mismatch problems like this come around very often in the NFL draft. He's a very unique player. And I think any team that drafts him uh, is going to be very happy with him. Like if he fell to the bears, like I know we need to get a quarterback here and I know the bears need offensive tackle help, but I have a hard time passing up on Kyle Pitts. If he would have, if he would have fall all the way to 20 to the bears, because uh, one, he's just perfect for what Ben Nagy wants to do on offense with the U position. But two, I mean, he's just that gifted of a player. So if you're going with the true best player available approach, I mean, he's he would be obviously the best player available in that situation. But I think another tight end that could be available in the first round for this class is also Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State, like you mentioned. Uh, in fact, he's the all-time receiver among tight ends at Penn State. So uh, this is a guy that's very accomplished and a lot of tight ends, a lot of good tight ends have come out of Penn state. Uh, most notably you look at Mike Gusecki, I believe he's on the dolphins. Uh, he put up some big numbers at Penn state as well. So 
for Pat Farmer to break all those records. Um, when you have Mike Kosecki, who's you know, very talented coming out, uh, he's had a really good career so far in the NFL. So that kind of tells you what type of talent and pedigree that he has as a player. I see him as a late first round, early second round type of talent. Now he's not as dynamic of an athlete as Pitts is, but I mean, he's still a very good athlete for his size and you can line him up at multiple spots, be a uh, receiving weapon for you. I mean, he's very polished as a route runner. He's got very good hands. He plays physical at the catch point. So he has everything you want in terms of being a receiving tight end at the next level. And his frame is nice enough to where I think you can develop him into an inline blocker. Um, He's not quite developed there yet. So uh, it's going to take a while for him, I think, to kind of get used to the NFL in his first year. But uh, once he gets used to that, and you kind of get him uh, in the mold of what you want from a tight end at the NFL level, I think he could be another guy to where we're looking at like a Pro Bowl level talent at the next level. Yeah, and you know, one thing I'll say regarding Pitts and Freermerth is that I, th- you know, both of them are obviously ideal fits in the Bears offense. And we have to understand one thing is that teams grade players differently, right? So when we talk about tight ends in terms of just, you know, the scheme and the system and the type of coaching staff that teams have assembled, they're just going to value different players differently. So a team like the Bears is going to have, you know, Kyle Pitts and Pratt Freermuth, especially, well, Pitts should just be the consensus number one guy on any team's board for tight ends. But a team like the Bears that does want that kind of tight end that they can move around and, you know, throw on the line of scrimmage or put in the slot, you know, things like that, move all over the field. They're going to have a guy like Fairbirth graded significantly higher than some other teams. So, like, this is just – I don't – obviously, we don't know what the Bears draft board is looking like, but I do think that Fairbirth is going to end up being one of the higher graded um prospects on their board just because of the fit that he brings to Matt Nagy's offense. And then, you know, Freer was just one of those guys, right. That I just see a certain type of competitive nature that exists, right. When he has the ball in his hands. I mean, he's at, when you go back and you watch the film, right. There's instances where he's excellent in terms of yards after the catch. And I know typically for the tight end position, it does take like a full year to get adjusted, but I still think that Freerbooth is going to have a much bigger impact as a rookie depending on where he lands and, you know, who his quarterback is compared to like some of the other tight ends in this class. Yeah. I mean, talk about fit in terms of the bears offense. I think, I think one tight end uh, that would fit perfectly. We look at our number three guy here, Brevin Jordan. I think he'd be a perfect fit as well for what the bears want to do. And we, when we did our first mock draft for this upcoming year's draft, uh, we both had, had Brevin Jordan uh, selected as our third round picks. And I think it's for good reason. Uh, He's a very talented player, but uh, for me, I almost see him. In fact, I do see him as a purely as a second round talent. I think he's that good. And Brevin Jordan, he's very interesting because he'd be the perfect view, I think, for the Bears offense in terms of that guy that you move all over the formation. He creates mismatches, giving the ball in his hands uh, quickly, and he can create yards after the catch uh, pretty well for you and get and get a lot of chunk plays for you in the passing game. But he's a dynamic receiving talent with plus 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 athleticism. Uh, he. he doesn't have quite the size to play in line quite a bit, but he is a willing blocker. I think uh, when he does have the opportunity to, but the thing that I like about him is that he already has the experience playing all over the place. So you saw what he was utilized at in Miami. Uh, he played in the slot. He played out, out wide as a wide receiver. Uh, he played in the backfield a little bit. Uh, his best spot, in my opinion, is in the slot where you can give him the ball on those slants and in those seam routes where you can use his speed and athleticism, uh, and give him the ball short on screen passes even. 
and he can get yards after the catch. I mean, that's where he's at his best getting the ball short, getting yards after the catch. Um, I think, you know, him and Kyle Pitts are kind of similar in that both, I think have the potential to be huge mismatch problems in the NFL. Um, once they get to the next level here, I uh, want the one player I'd compare him to is actually Johnny Smith, who just signed a big deal with the New England Patriots. Again, kind of that smaller tight end who isn't going to be a huge red zone threat, but uh, just a very versatile receiving weapon, kind of that tweener type of player, but just gives you a lot of options with what you can do on offense. Yeah, and, and you know, I like the John Smith comparison there because, again, when you watch John Smith over the last couple of years, it's kind of like you mentioned. He has developed a reputation where he's not going to be the biggest guy on the field, but he makes his money, you know, with yards after the catch. And so I think that one of the things we have to understand regarding the Bears offense is just that this is an offense that's really predicated or in some ways it is an offense, I should say, to better word it, that's predicated on yards after the catch because you're going to get these guys open, you know. And what's going to happen is this is you're just hoping that they can pick up enough yards after the catch where they keep the offense moving. I think that Jordan is that exact same guy, right? Um, I would say that one thing for me when it comes to Jordan is I would like to see his um, route tree grow just a bit more. And I think that if he can add a – um you know, a couple other routes to his arsenal or some more additional routes, then he can really become a uh, more complete all-around player. So I think Jordan's a guy that is ready to have an impact at the next level, but there's just a couple areas where he needs to grow in before he really realizes what his true potential is. But as a second round pick, I would definitely take him because again, you're going to be banking on what he can continue to become and how he can continue to further develop. Yeah, and then, and then the last two guys we have here, Tommy Tremble of Notre Dame and Hunter Long out of Boston College. You know, I see them both as late day two, like third round, early day three. So those borderline third, fourth round talents, and they bring completely different skill sets to the table. So uh, Tremble is interesting because he is all projection at this point due to how he was used in college. Like he was never used as the true number one tight end in Notre Dame's offense. But you look at him as a good athlete, He's very versatile um, as a blocker. You can line him up in the backfield and he can kind of play that, that Cal Juszczyk role you see with San Francisco uh, where he's not necessarily an inline tight end, uh, but kind of has, has like a full hybrid fullback where he can kind of be that uh, kind of jack of all trades out of the backfield type of guy. But he has a ton of upside as a receiver because of his speed and quickness. And I think there is some upside there where I don't know if he's going to go high because you know, there is an aspect of, you just did not have a lot of production in college, but I think, you know, some teams are going to see his versatile skill set and say, okay, you know, we might have something here if we can find the right role and right development plan for him once we get him into our building. And the opposite, I think is true for Hunter Long, where I see him more as a traditional inline tight end, who's going to be polished and ready to kind of contribute right away. Although, you know, with tight end, it kind of takes a while for these guys to contribute anyway. Uh, but, you know, Hunter Long has a skill set to where I think he can contribute uh, on day one, and you can feel kind of good about him. Like I said, true inline tight end. He can block. You can occasionally split him out wide to catch passes. But uh, to me, he's got solid route running. He's got good hands. Uh, the thing about him is that he makes a ton of contested catches, so he doesn't really have the ability to separate very well in man-to-man coverage, but he's very good in those contested situations, makes you a good – uh, brings you a good red zone element um, to where he can make jump ball catches in the red zone and get you some tough catches there. Um, his upside is limited though by his athleticism. So uh, there is some questions about what he can be in terms of the upside there, but I kind of compare him to Cole Komet 
um, out of Notre Dame last year, of course, playing for the Bears now. Um, I think he has slightly better route running than Komet, a little bit more polished than Komet. I think Komet had a little bit more physical upside, but to me, they're very similar players in terms of, I don't think either player is going to be like a star talent at the next level, especially we've seen Cole Komet now in the NFL over his rookie year. We'll see what, how he develops in his second season. But um, again, I don't see either player as a big impact number one tight end, but as a low end number one, high end number two, I think they can carve out a really nice role for themselves in the NFL and have a long uh, sustainable career as a starting level player. Yeah, I agree with both of those things. And, you know, what's interesting about Hunter Long from Boston College is I do think he's a guy, right, that I, I just view as someone who's going to kind of be like, you know, Tyler Eifert, right, who was with the Cincinnati Bengals for so many years or and is now, I believe, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So just a guy that, like, really was never a top-tier option for any offense, but he was good enough. And, you know, that's essentially my projection of Hunter Long. And then Tommy Tremble's interesting because I feel like we've seen kind of his breed of tight ends come out or his tight the tight ends of just like him come out over the last couple of years. I mean, I believe Josiah DeGuro, right, who was drafted by the Patriots, was an example of this in 2020 where kind of, you know, you didn't really have a set role for him. So you just kind of from game to game, right, put him in different situations in different spots to kind of see where he would work. I mean, he kind of reminds me of, if you remember this name, right, Michael Hunamanu Moawi back in the day, right? That's who Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame reminds me of. But I do think that overall Tremble is going to be a guy who his ceiling to me, right, is kind of like just being a – solid tight end two at this point which even that you know I do think that um a team that let's just say when you turn the film on you watch Tommy Tremble let's just say that there's a team who is running a very play action heavy scheme so like the San Francisco 49ers for example I mean granted they have George Kittle there but I'm just throwing out San Francisco as an example because they do we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed on this type of scheme right where like you know play action a guy like Tommy Tremble could really thrive in that role where you kind of just get him the ball in open space yeah but I think the San Francisco scheme is a perfect example for where his skill set will be best utilized I think that's the perfect fit for him at the next level um, again I don't think he's the type of player that is going to be a mismatch problem for you in the passing game but if you can find creative ways to scheme him the ball um, and get him open in space where he can use his athleticism after the catch. Uh, he could be a nice receiving weapon for you to go along with a versatile blocking skill set. And I think, you know, we're looking at this tight end class as a whole. 
we kind of mentioned the top three. I think the top three guys are going to be the most sought after players in this class for the tight end position. I think those three you feel pretty confident about uh, having the upside to develop into long-term starters for you. When you get past those guys, it's really about finding guys that fit specific roles um, within your offense and guys that are, you know, you're probably not relying on to be starters for you long-term, but nice role players for you guys that can contribute uh, for three, four, five, six years down the road for you as you build a team um, around other offensive weapons to kind of complement them. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. And that kind of brings us then to our next section here for the Titans discussion, Titans discussion, I should say, and that is the sleepers and overhyped prospects. So you say, I'll start with you. Who is your number one sleeper in this class? Yeah, so my number one sleeper, and I feel like, well, he's my sleeper because I just don't think he's being talked about enough because, again, in a very a lot of people consider this to be a deep tight end class, right? And so as a result of that, you are going to have a lot of names that get lost. But one guy that really intrigues me is Kerry Angeline. He is six foot seven, two hundred about fifty five pounds, I believe. The last time I checked from North Carolina State, and what I find to be interesting about him, right, is that he's played like thirty something games over a three year period at North Carolina State. But um, when you look at him, I mean, he's got sixty one receptions, you know, for nine hundred sixty yards. So again, the production may not necessarily blow you out of the water, but he did average about fifteen. 0.7 yards per reception and that to me is interesting because I think when I look at a guy like Angeline the thing is right is I definitely see a lot of potential there because you can see he's got the size right you can see that all right you know what the production wasn't off the charts compared to some of the other tight ends in this class but it was definitely um you know some pretty good production and then when I look at him right you realize that he has, you know, played both as an inline tight end, but then North Carolina State also put him out there in the slot, right? So kind of that versatility that he provides is something that I think, um, you know, teams are going to covet. And then what I really liked when I was watching Angeline's tape was the fact that whenever he got to the middle of the field, it felt like something special would happen. And obviously, you know, there's no scouting. Obviously, we didn't have a scouting combine this year. I do not know when NC State's pro day is, but I would say that, you know, Angeline's a guy to keep an eye on as someone that could end up being a hidden gem. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the Bears – Again, they like those tight ends that are a little bit more versatile in terms of being a Y and a U, um, although they do like to kind of have distinct roles for them. But um, if Angelina is there, say, late day three, I think that'd be an interesting find for them. Another guy for me on day three, uh, this is a player that I was actually, I was considering putting in my top five, actually, but ultimately Hunter Long's track record ended up uh, winning out there. But uh, for me, Trey McKitty out of Georgia is another interesting player that I think is going to be available on day three. Um, he's a, a receiving tight end that impressed me at the senior bowl. He made some highlight reel catches there. Um, the thing that stands out about him is that he has huge hands. I mean, he has 11 inch hands um, that was measured down at the senior bowl. And you saw that happen down there. He made a bunch of highlight reel one-handed catches. Um, he made it look easy, which was the thing there. It was just one-handed grabs with ease um, with McKitty. And I mean, the, the biggest one we saw uh, was there was a practice I think it was on day two of practice down there. Mac Jones 
uh, hit him, you know, in a contested situation where he had to reach all the way down basically to his shoelaces to make a one-handed catch. And uh, it, was, it was probably one of the biggest highlights of the practices there down in Mobile, Alabama. And, you know, the things that stand out to me is that while he's not the most dynamic athlete, uh, he has enough athleticism, you know, quickness, agility uh, to be a solid move tight end at the next level. I don't think he's ever going to be maybe a starting tight end um, in the NFL, but as a complimentary receiving piece, I think there is a lot of potential there. His blocking still needs work, but he's not bad at it. So that's always a plus as well. Um, you know, again, he does have minor starter upside and maybe a low end starter, but to me, his best role is going to be as that number two tight end uh, where he can play off a guy that's a little bit more complete as a player. And again, there's just a lot to like here for me. I think he's what, 6'5, 245, 250 pounds. So you like the size there. He's not the greatest athlete, like I said, but he has enough there. So McKinney is a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on. He did meet with the Bears already down at the Senior Bowl. So clearly they have some interest in him. I think he'd be a better fit as a U as opposed to a Y tight end. But um, to me, I think he'd be a great find for the Bears on day three if they want to add somebody next to Cool Komet potentially long term. Um, you'd have two solid options there. And again, I'd be comfortable taking him anytime on day three. He's been mocked as late as the sixth or seventh round on a lot of mock drafts that I've been uh, seeing. You know, I think he's, I personally, I take him in the fourth or fifth round and take a chance on his upside there. Yeah. McKinney's interesting, you know, and you mentioned the bears had already kind of talked to him and I saw your tweet today as well, by the way, but I think what's interesting about McKitty and just the bears are clearly doing their homework on tight ends in this class, you know, is just the fact that I seriously think that yeah, Jimmy Graham's on the roster, but um, the bears are going to end up adding a tight end this year, you know, to go ahead and compliment a guy like Cole Komet. So McKitty's just very interesting overall as a prospect to me, because it's kind of like you said, he, I don't ever think he's going to be like a true starter in this league and be a guy who does go on to start like, um, you know, 16 games consistently, but um, he is a guy, right. That I believe, you know, he had some sort of knee issue, knee injury issue before the start of the 2020 season. And, you know, so we, again, we don't know how healthy he is, but I still think that for Chicago, he would be a good compliment to Cole Komet. Yeah, and he's not the greatest separator from what I saw down the senior bowl, but he does, he can do it in spurts. Again, I think he just brings a well rounded skill set as a receiver to where that would be very intriguing. Now, in terms of our next session there with the overhyped prospect, who is your overhyped prospect going into this draft? The, my guy would be Nick Eubanks from Michigan. And it's interesting because I look at him and I realize, like, all right, Michigan's lost a lot of talent over the last couple of years to the NFL draft. They lost some, they've lost some offensive talent as well, you know, particularly playmakers like Donovan Peoples Jones. I mean, I believe Jake Butt left Michigan about three or four years ago as well. But just overall, when I look at it, right, when I see all that talent leaving, I'm like, okay, is there a chance for a guy like Eubanks to finally take the next step? And kind of, he really underwhelmed, you know, in his time at Michigan. I mean, you look at the last, the, the time when he played a full season in 2019, right? He played in 12 games, but only had 25 receptions, right? And then you look at 2020, his production took an even bigger hit. And so for a guy like Eubanks, I just don't, see him being a guy right that I think he's a day three prospect to me but I just overall do not see him getting drafted you know and I think that he's just going to be like a tight end two or a tight end three at the next level um 
in terms of, you know, where I see him fitting again, I just think that he's going to be one of those like kind of inline tight ends that teams line up and just use primarily as a blocker. But I just don't overall see Eubanks as being a guy that is going to have a significant impact in the NFL. Like some people think he could. Yeah, Eubanks is a weird player because it's kind of hard to judge anybody, any receiver from Michigan just because their quarterback play is so bad there. Like, it legitimately makes their prospects, like, so much worse. Like, we saw with Donovan Peoples-Jones, he dropped all the way, I believe, to the sixth round last year to the Cleveland Browns. And he actually had a quite a pretty good rookie year as a rotational player um, for that. I think he was our number one, four, number five wide receiver there. And he made some plays for them down the stretch of the season. Um, so clearly I don't think the issue here with a lot of these Michigan guys coming out is talent. It's just more so the fact that Michigan just has a terrible quarterback play. They don't do a really good job of developing offensive playmakers, in my opinion, uh, when translating to the next level. So, um, you have to take that with a grain of salt, I think with Nick Eubanks, but like you said, there are some question marks, I think with him to where, you know, he's kind of hyped up as a guy that brought that kind of move tight end athleticism to be a versatile receiving option. Um, like you said, I didn't quite see that either um, this past season. So, you know, he might be a case where maybe if he goes to the right fit late on day three, he could be somebody that impresses some some teams and, uh, you know, kind of surprises everybody with how he performs at the next level. But like you said, that's kind of a long shot in my opinion as well. Uh, another player for me that kind of fits a similar mold in that is going to be Kenny Yeboah out of Ole Miss. And, you know, I don't think he's a guy that's getting a ton of hype right now, but I've seen him mocked ahead of some other tight ends that I do like in this class a little bit more. And for me personally, I just don't see it. So maybe I'm not seeing the right tape here, but from what I saw down the senior bowl, he's not a great athlete. He's, you know, not, I wouldn't say like completely undersized, but he doesn't have great size. He got pushed around as a blocker quite a bit. And again, at the senior bowl, he just did not impress me a lot with his receiving ability. He didn't separate very well. Wasn't making a ton of contested catches when he got opportunities. You know, I can see from what I've seen of his tape and, and, you know, from what I've seen games with him, I can see why some may like him, but personally just isn't my top cup of tea. So I've seen him go as high as uh, early as the fourth round. To me, he's a late day three pick and you take a chance on some of the traits that he does has and um, see if you can find something from him. Yeah, I find Yeboah to be a really interesting case study because when I look at him, I'm like, all right, you know what? He does have like a pretty decent route tree, but then again, it's just like his, it just seems like his skill set overall and the way he goes about attacking defenses and kind of doing his damage, right? That's really limited because he's not necessarily a guy that is going to have an impact on the perimeter, right? He's more of just always going to be a player, I feel like, that you're going to have him run, you know, a crossing route over the middle of the field or something, you know, or like some sort of route over the middle of the field where he's going to be in space and then you're going to get him the ball and that's when he's going to do his damage. So he's just limited in that aspect to me as well. So just overall, when I look at Yaboa, right, I think that the potential for him is there but he still has a long, long way to go in terms of his development. And, you know, I think that he's going to be one of those guys that I think the coaching is going to make all the difference in the NFL in terms of just what he can become. Yep. And I I think that's a good uh, opportunity then to transition to our next uh, portion of the podcast here. And that's our final part here. And that's the bear strategy for position. So uh, like you said, you bow very interesting player. We talked about him and uh, some of our other players in the sleepers and under, you know, overhyped players there. 
there are going to be some options for the Bears on day three in this draft uh, to consider here. But, you know, when looking at this thing overall, I know there are obvious needs at quarterback and off to tackle early on. But looking at this thing here for the Bears in the 2021 NFL draft, this is a, is a position where I'd be totally fine with the Bears addressing early in this draft, depending on who they decide to target here. And just to break down what the position looks like going into next year. Again, we're recording this on the first day of free agency. So a lot of moves could be made in the next few days to where, you know, players that are on the roster now might not be there. And specifically, we're looking, looking, we're looking at Jimmy Graham here. Um, even if he does stay on the roster, Jimmy Graham isn't a long-term answer there. And he plays the U position for this offense. So he's not the type of guy that he's, he's basically that receiving option right there. So, uh, and that's such an important role for this offense. You need a long-term answer there because, you know, as much as Cole Komet, a lot of Bears fans love this kid um, because he's a Notre Dame guy. He's a local kid and all that storyline right there. But let's be real about Cole Komet here. He is not the U tight end for this offense. He's not a guy that's going to be a huge difference maker, I think, in the passing game. Um, you know, we, you know, Komet, he's much more that traditional Y inline tight end. Um, to where he's going to be in the line of scrimmage, he's going to do a lot of blocking, go out for a few routes here and there, maybe be a nice red zone threat, but he's not going to be that guy that is going to be all over the formation, being a mismatch problem for the offense. And, you know, you is such an important role for Nagy's offense. You just need to find that guy because it helps set, set up the table for everyone else in the offense um, in the middle of the field there. So the Bears, they have the opportunity here. They address this position early to get one of those guys. Look at Fryermuth. Brevin Jordan, he's going to be an option there. On day three, Trey McKinney, like I mentioned, there are options here. It's just a matter of what draft capital they have at the end of it because you mentioned this kind of before early in the podcast, you know, they could be making a move for a quarterback early in this draft, in which case, you know, you're probably looking at a day three option here to take a flyer on a guy. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the U tight end. I think one of the big things to keep in mind is the Bears need to find someone, right, that is going to be – that kind of view tight end because Jimmy Graham's not going to be on this roster forever. I mean, let's be honest, Jimmy Graham kind of played that role at times in 2020, but I would say just a couple qualities to look for or a couple traits are you have to have someone who obviously has lined up all over the place, right? So, you know, Freer Mirth or Brevin Jordan would be someone like that, but then they also have to be able to like consistently separate and then separate well. And so those are like the two biggest things I think. And they also have to have solid hands and be good route runners in order to really be effective in Matt Nagy's offense. Because again, I think, I believe just the ceiling for what an ideal tight end is in this offense is Travis Kelsey. And obviously, you know, not every player you draft is going to be as good as Kelsey, but if you get something similar to that, you know what, or even just a notch below, you're going to be in pretty good shape for the next couple of years. And I think that for the bears, right. You mentioned the big trade up for the quarterback. I still think that even if you trade up for a quarterback, you need to take a fire on not even a fire, but you got to seriously look into drafting a U tight end, right? Because you're going to need that position. If you finally want to go ahead and start building the offense, because we have to understand something the last couple of years, kind of what's been the excuse for the bears. Well, the excuse has been the quarterback. Well, can you really use the quarterback as an excuse anymore? Because who was the quarterback? Well, it was Mitch Trubisky, right? And Trubisky has gone. And obviously we went ahead and discussed how underwhelming the Andy Dalton move was. But if the Bears get their quarterback of the future, right, that essentially is going to mean it's now time for Matt Nagy to build his version of the offense with not only the quarterback, but the tight end as well. So I would say for the Bears, right, 
you know, you're not really going to lose anything if you double down and take a tight end in back-to-back years in the second round or even in the third round, let's be honest. Yeah, and I can already, already hear angry Bears fans yelling at us, you know, why are, does tight end have to be a need? We just drafted a tight end high in last year's draft. We just gave Jimmy Graham all this money. We did all this stuff to address tight end last year. Why is it, you know, having to be addressed again? Look, what we saw last year, Jimmy Graham was a completely a Band-Aid solution. He's not a long-term solution, so get that out of your heads right now. Uh, Cole Komet, like I said before, he is not what this offense needs from the tight end positions from a receiving and versatility standpoint. Komet's going to be fine. He's a solid player. He's on a solid development track record to be a good starter in the NFL. He is not the type of tight end that makes a huge difference for your passing game, especially in this type of offense that's a lot of quick hitting stuff underneath. You're going to need tight ends that can separate very well and create mismatches in the passing game. That's not Cole Komet. And also, just from the standpoint of you can never have too many receiving options for your quarterback now. We're, I mean, we're, we've been seeing this trend over the last couple of years. The most important thing in terms of the development of a quarterback isn't necessarily having a great offensive line, which, you know, having a great offensive line helps, but we've seen this trend come up in the last couple of years. The most important thing is to have an offensive line that's good enough so your quarterback's not getting killed, you know, every single Sunday, week in and week out. But you need to have weapons for him to make things easier for him so that he's getting used to taking chances in the passing game so that, he, that he's more confident in making his reads going forward. Um, you need talent in the passing game to help out your quarterback. Otherwise, you're kind of just leaving out there, leaving him out there to the Sharks, and that doesn't help anybody in that case. Um, one argument for why Trubisky failed in Chicago was his rookie year, who did he have to throw to? Nobody. So that kind of hurt his development track as a rookie, throwing it to nobody. It's like Kendall Wright. Uh, Marcus Wheaton, just nothing good for him in that rookie season. You need weapons to to throw the ball to as a quarterback. So I don't mind spending another draft pick, a significant draft pick on the tight end position because A, it's an important position for this offense. And B, like I said before, you can never have too many good pass catchers. So if you find a good pass catcher at the tight end position that brings more of an athletic, dynamic, versatile uh, element to this offense, I say go ahead and do it because there are other ways to address the offensive line. I would like to see an offensive line drafted high in this draft class, but you know, if you're spending a high pick on a quarterback, getting another weapon for him to throw the ball to is just as important as well. Right. And you know, you mentioned the pass catchers and stuff. And I think it's also important to note that in this type of offense, we also have to understand it's like when Doug Peterson was in Philadelphia, what was who was the guy that who was the one player that was consistently a security blanket for the quarterback? It was the tight end, right? Now Peterson's obviously out of Philadelphia, and Zach Ertz is on his way out of there as well. But my point is, right, is just the fact that in this style of offense, you need to have that good U tight end because that guy is essentially going to be the security blanket for this offense. I mean, the Chiefs have done it so many times with Travis Kelsey. I mean, forget Patrick Mahomes for a second, but how many years was Travis Kelsey was drafted in like 2012 or 2013, right? How many years was Kelsey a security blanket for Alex Smith and the guy who nearly who basically bailed him out in the toughest of situations? How many years was Zach Ertz that for Carson Wentz? And then at times last year, Jalen Hurts. And so ultimately for the Bears, you know, they need to seriously add a U tight end because it's like you mentioned, Jimmy Graham is not the um, future. You know, Cole Komet as a receiver, he'll be fine. He's on a decent developmental track. 
but he's never really going to reach the potential where he is that kind of all around, you know, that you or that wide tight end. So for the Bears, if the opportunity arises to add a true you tight end to the roster, no matter where it is, you have to go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah, just looking at these offenses, you know, other than the Kansas City, they've gone a little bit thin at the tight end position in the past, but all these offenses similar to Matt Nagy's, they have multiple weapons or multiple options, I should say, at the tight end position. With the Eagles, first of all, you had that Super Bowl year, they had Zach Ertz there, they had Brent Selk there in the last few years of his career, I believe, and Trey Burton was there as their third option. So they had three legitimate receiving options at the tight end positions to go to there in their offense there. And then I think it was the very next year they drafted uh, Dallas Goddard in the second round there because they know it's just a valuable position for them in that type of offense. So just because you're drafting another tight end there, it doesn't mean that Cole Komet's role is diminished in this offense. You know, you can run a lot of 12 personnel to where you have two tight ends on the field. If anything, having that versatile chess piece on your offense at the tight end position helps out Cole Komet. It makes things a lot easier for him. And just makes things often easier for your offense as a whole because it just gives you more options uh, to where you're not as predictable with your personnel in terms of run, running or passing the ball. Uh, makes things easier on play action to kind of disguise things. And we saw last year that Matt Nagy did do some creative things with uh, two tight end sets in terms of their bootleg action there, in terms of different uh, passing concepts there. Uh, there are a lot of things you can do with two tight ends for your offense in the NFL. So if you can get a guy that can kind of be that more dynamic athlete of position, I think it helps this offense immensely going forward again, either day two or day three. I think that's a prime time to uh, address the position. All right. I think that's a good point to uh, wrap up this week's podcast episode of the picks for pays podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at picks for pays and uh, find our work there. Uh, you can also find our work at the bear Report as well. You say, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and all my other social media platforms at Usaid Koshal, guys. Uh, check out my work on the Bear Report as well. Yeah, make sure to follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. And if you want to get uh, film room content on YouTube, check out the Bear Report YouTube channel. I just came out with another uh, film room breakdown, breaking down the rookie class for the 2020 NFL Draft, the Bears 2020 class. So if you want to check that out, uh, go give that a look on the Bear Report YouTube channel. All right, we want to thank our uh, listeners once again for tuning in on all podcasting pl platforms. Uh, keep your head up, Bears fans. It's been a roller coaster the last couple of weeks here with free agency now uh, officially in swing here. We'll see what happens over the next few days or so. There are going to be some big major moves ahead, I would assume, going forward here. Uh, again, we'll see how everything unfolds. But until next week, Bears fans, Bear down, stay with it, and hopefully we have some more positive news uh, in terms of that aspect of things next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.